Hey guys, and welcome to The Drop-Off, a daily podcast between father and son about life, sports, and everything in between. Today is Friday, and I am so tired. Um, yesterday was the Sweet 16, and we'll get to that later, but today... Okay, so last night we went to the Sweet 16 in San Antonio. We drove all the way there. Both games, the final game ended at 11 o'clock. We drove all the way home. It was 1 a.m. by the time we got home, so I was really tired. But do you have any, like, big takeaways? Just, like, let's say our big takeaways right now. Yeah, so the two games we saw were Villanova versus... I'm tired, too. My, my mind barely even working. Villanova versus Michigan. And the interesting thing is we went to the Final Four in 2018, and it just so happened that Villanova and Michigan were two of the teams in that Final Four. We didn't see they, – they actually played the teams in the championship game. We didn't stay to watch the championship game. Uh, but that year was the year that Vanilla, Vanilla, Villanova was the number one overall seed and really romped to the title. Anyways, Villanova beat Michigan. UH beat Arizona. I would say my big takeaway is I'm really impressed with UH. And I'm pretty confident that UH is going to beat Villanova and make it to the Final Four. What are your thoughts? Yes, my big takeaway was U, um, UH looks like a monster. They are just so well-rounded. They don't have one good player, but or they do if you want to say like Jamal Shedd, but he's like their best player, but everyone else contributes really well. Like um they it's it's kind of it's kind of good and bad when your team has such good ball movement that Y'all are, they they were kind of, at some points, I think they were kind of overpassing. Like Villanova, they were overpassing and just wasting too much time off the shot clock and having to shoot just like a ra- crazy shot to beat the buzzer. You know, I wouldn't say it's overpassing. That's a lot of ways that the college game is developed, and the college game is kind of different from the NBA in that way. You know, they play a lot more zone in college, uh, and you just pass to get your man open. And a lot of times, these really strong defensive teams like U of H who play a really, really slow pace. That's the kind of game they wanted to play. Remember, Arizona wants to play fast, right? They want to get in transition. UH wants to play slow. And I thought it was a telling stat that I really can't remember one time when Arizona was even in transition. You know, so at the end of the half, they had zero points off turnovers. And I don't know what that ended up being. But, I mean, UH just, I think, beginning to end just dominated this game. I was really, really impressed with UH. I agree that UH dominated the game the entire time. I mean, there it's unlike this is like very rare for like a um like a 1-4 seed or something like a what would be considered a close game. There were zero lead changes in the entire game. And it was such a close game without any lead changes. I just thought that probably means that U of H was in control the entire game. Yeah, UH definitely beasted on the offensive boards. If I was the Arizona coach, I was really impressed with that Kerr guy, number 25 from Arizona. And I thought whenever he was in the game, Arizona was doing good things. So if I were the coach, I would have gone small. Uh, Arizona actually went the opposite way, kind of went big. But Balo was super ineffective, their big man. And so I would have gone small. I would have put Kurt in there with, uh, like, their three wings and just one big and let that ride. And so, Or even just take out the big altogether because they, they weren't getting any rebounds on the uh, defensive rebounds anyway. And so just go small, match the athleticism of UH, and then get some more shooting and offense out there because Arizona ended up shooting, like, 35% for the game. Yeah. 
another thing is um i think i think the reason he was doing that was because that was the reason that they like prevailed against tcu those two bigs were like the only thing that kept them in the game versus tcu i mean every they they after they when they put him in there they had like they went on like a plus nine and then when they took him out they just like free basically free falled and then the game ended up going into overtime yeah, but different team, different situation, different game, you know. And I, I was really also impressed with Kelvin Sampson. Uh, I loved his intensity you could see on the bench and really how the team just rallied around him. Um, he seems like he's a guy who gets his entire team to buy into the defense, defensive philosophy and execute the game plan. So really impressive, but really fun overall. Uh, Sweet 16 is one of those really fun experiences where you see one game and then there's a 30-minute break and you get to see another basketball game. Uh, a little disappointing that... It seems like the games in the West region were a little more exciting than ours with the Duke um, prevailing over Texas Tech and Gonzaga falling, actually, to... Who did they lose to? Arkansas. Arkansas, that's right, the Razorbacks. Um, In that bracket, I don't know. Arkansas versus Duke, this is like a classic early 90s matchup. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out of that because, again, they have two pretty different styles. Um... What are you hoping for? You're, you're telling me you're hoping for something in the Final Four. Can you let all of our listeners know? Well, I want Coach K's final game to be a Duke versus UNC loss. I want that to be his final March Madness game. Um, so I'm really hoping that Duke makes it to the Final Four and UNC makes it to the Final Four. But at that point, only one can prevail. Any other final thoughts? Um. No, let's get to the um, big upsets of our um, thing. So, let's see. Some of the big ones was... Well, over-unders for Eastern Conference. I know. Oh, I'm talking about... Oh, yeah, so these... What? Could introduce the over-unders. Oh, yeah, so... Transition, tell them what we're In the doing. beginning of the year, we did these over un- That was a good transition, how we just, like, went straight to it and then, like, jumped back out and then jumped back in. That's a good transition. But um, so in right, the beginning of the year, they know what it yeah, is because we're doing listening. the Eastern Conference over unders today. But um, let's start with the ones you got, we got crushed on. So first one was the Brooklyn Nets. They are what, twenty eight games under their over, I think. No, eighteen games. But I picked the under, you picked the over. What were you thinking? Well, I was thinking actually, Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant would play together. Um, but the greatest team of all time only ended up playing like 20 games together. In in those games together, they were amazing, but I had no idea that Kyrie would not be able to play in half the games. I had no idea that James Harden was so unhappy in Brooklyn and would be shipped out to the Philadelphia 76ers. And so 55 was a high number, but I was like, man, if, if and I, I think you haven't said this, if you have those three playing and pretty much anybody around them, I could see them getting to 55, and uh, obviously they fell way short of that this year, and they're going to be in the playing games in the East. But the big news, I think we talked about this, right? The big news, the vaccine mandate lifted, and Kyrie is going to get a chance to play. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they look like in the playoffs, especially if Ben Simmons can come back, which is still a huge question mark. It was all because of Aaron Judge. All because Aaron Judge wasn't vaccinated, but um, let's say let's do one that I got crushed on. So for whatever reason, I didn't believe that Evan Mobley and Darius Garland would become this good of a duo and have like 
45 wins. But they ended up with, by crushing their over-under by 15, and I picked under. Um, I just didn't believe that Garland and Mobley would be this good. What were you thinking? Well, I was thinking that Steph Curry said Garland's an up-and-coming star. And so, you know, t- talent recognized talent. So I had no idea Evan Mobley will be such a contributor, like a uh, difference maker day one as well. Uh, but I felt like with Garland, they had a chance in a couple of, it was like the Kevin Love Redemption Tour. Uh, he's, he's had a great season. They had some pieces that made sense around them. Uh, I wasn't completely sure about the Jarrett Allen plus Evan Mobley fit, uh, but it seems like it's worked out for Cleveland. And uh, they've this season has really been... I would say they've been one of the best stories of the season. It's kind of sad that Jared Allen's been out for a little while now, and they've kind of faded toward the end of the season. But I would say overall, this season has to be considered a success for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But um, one that you got beat on what that I picked right was the Detroit Pistons. Did you think Cade would make an immediate impact or what? Um, what was it, 25? I don't know. I just thought that number was so low and that they had, like, a decent team. Uh, Sadiq Bay sounds like seems like he's come on at the end of the year, uh, but I yeah I just thought that Cade plus uh, I thought he would be kind of one of the ready to step in and contribute rookies, and it really seems like it took him a few months to kind of find his feet, and he was injured at the beginning of the season, which I didn't know about. Uh, Jeremy Grant was has been injured a lot as well, and so I think I just thought the East would not be as strong as it's shown itself to be, and that um, they would get at least get twenty five wins, but I was wrong about that. I was I was really optimistic at the beginning of the season, maybe overly optimistic. So, did you say you didn't know it would be this strong? Yes. Then, um, why did you pick almost every team to hit their over? Yeah, decide. You picked every team to hit their over, and that was like seven times too many games. Well, when you're picking the over-unders, you're not necessarily picking... Hold on. It's really hard for me to go quickly like that, Nathaniel. Let Daddy drive. Okay. Don't be a. Here's a lesson. Don't be a passenger seat driver. Um, I picked. When you're picking over unders, you're not. We're not predicting win numbers. And so, even if you pick more, even if you pick more overs and unders, then you can still have them, depending on how much teams are going under and how much teams are going over. Because you're not guessing the number of games they're going over and under by. So, one that I hit and you got missed on was the 76ers. Do you think they can still hit their over? They need to win eight games. No, it's probably not going to happen. Um, and again, it's it's just... The Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets are probably the two hardest ones to predict. Maybe... A better prediction would have been to be like that everything would collapse and everything would go terribly for both of those teams. But um, I just believe in Joel Embiid. And I thought, I didn't think that the Ben Simmons saga would last so long. I thought that either Ben Simmons would get back on the court somehow or that they trade him at least a little bit earlier. But obviously that didn't happen until the trade deadline. So wrong about that one as well. Thankfully, I didn't put any money, actual money, on either the Brooklyn Nets or Philadelphia 76ers. So I feel pretty good about the best that we actually bet on. Okay. So I think that's the end of the big ones. But um, is there any other takeaways you had about the Sweet 16? Um, I would say, I don't know if this really, I don't know if this helped UH or not. But they had a home court advantage 
because the game was in San Antonio, so it basically by the second game it seemed like I don't know seventy five percent of the fans in the stadium were cheering for U of H, which great for U of H, but it's kind of sad for Arizona because they were the number one seed. And so when you're the number one seed, you're usually placed in a bracket that's advantageous to kind of uh, your geographic region. And they just got unlucky that the Sweet 16 ended up being in San Antonio, which was much closer to Houston than it was to Tucson, Arizona. Um, But I thought thought Matherin was going to have a bigger game than he ended up having. He was quiet for most of the night. He had some spots where he, he did... Um, make a difference but overall I thought he didn't have as good a game as he needed to in order for Arizona to win all right well we've arrived at Hyde Park Nathaniel hope you have a great day at school buddy yeah bye dad love you see you later dad next time can you turn at the back street why because I like it better when you do it why